the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Notice the word therefore. What he's saying is, I'm describing a consequence of the statement just made. A person who deliberately chooses to be a friend of the world, by that choice, becomes an enemy of God. See, for Christians, there's no way... We don't even have an option. We don't have the freedom to divide our love and loyalty between God and this world. It's one or the other. Does that remind you of Paul's words in Romans, I want to do what I do not do, but what I hate I do? Pastor Leighton Sheely is in the book of James, and he's going to continue to take us through some difficult passages. I hope you have your pen and paper ready to take some notes. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. These desires are at war within us, inside of us. A raging battle, the battle between good and evil. And this internal battle occurs in all believers, regardless of how mature you may be. It even occurs in apostles, like the Apostle Paul, who wrote in Romans 7, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, But I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. So Paul is describing this warfare that is from within. And when we lose the internal battle and we fulfill our desires, we create external conflicts. And these conflicts lead to a competition for power and prestige and possessions and pleasures and, and, and believers are no longer brothers and sisters in Christ. They're competitors with one another. He said, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. The desire here he's talking about is for something or someone. And the steps here are, are really very simple. Instead of taking every thought captive like we're supposed to, a person finds himself allowing themselves to think about some desire. And pretty soon, by allowing ourselves to think about it, it becomes dominating, consuming, and pretty soon it's involuntary. It just comes into our thoughts and sometimes into our dreams. At this point, it's called a ruling passion. And then we begin to form schemes and plans for how we might acquire that desire, whatever it is. And if it means removing obstacles, people, or or whatever situations, we start thinking about that. And one day, our thoughts turn into action. And they act out. You know, every crime in the world came originally as a desire, which was first thought about and nurtured, and then eventually was acted out. The cravings described here are so strong that people kill and covet to obtain what they want. Now, you might say, well, Pastor, I'm I'm not really such a bad person because, you know, I haven't killed anybody, but I might get angry with somebody. Well, if you get angry, you need to listen to the words of Jesus. He said, You've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. And if you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say if you're even angry with someone, 
you're subject to judgment. And if you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Words of Jesus. So for Jesus, the commandment against murdering applies also to anger and abuse and cursing. The apostle John wrote, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. If you just hate your brother, you're a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. He continues, he says, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So he's describing two things here. He says, starts with, you do not have because you do not ask. And the word here, ask, is a reference to prayer. He says, you're not praying. You're neglecting prayer. Now, why would a person do that? Well, prayer is seeking guidance from God. It's asking God to give you guidance. And someone who doesn't pray is because they don't want to get any guidance from God. They don't want to know what God thinks. They don't want to do it God's way. They got a better idea. Or they either don't pray or they do ask, you ask, and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Whereas the NIV says you ask with the wrong motives. They ask because whatever they were going to receive, they were going to spend on their pleasures. Like the prodigal son did. He he received his inheritance and, and he went out and spent it. You know, God always knows what's best for us. And sometimes he won't answer our prayer because he knows if he did, it would destroy us. You know, I've had people come up, Pastor, I know our church is in need. You know, would you pray that I win the lotto? (laughs) And then I'll make sure I tithe and give some offerings above and we're all covered. And sure, I'll pray that you win the lotto. But I always make the prayer, if the Lord wills. Because I know the Lord works best. And if he wins the lotto and it's not the will of the Lord, he can destroy himself. By if he won that. And the Apostle John said, This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, note, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. The point being is that whenever we ask, we pray, it must be according to his will, not our will. You see, the goal of prayer is to say to God, thy will be done, and know what God's will is. But someone who is pleasure-dominated prays more like, my will be done. My desires be satisfied. None of us can ever pray correctly if the desires are on the throne instead of God. God needs to be the center of our life. So James' message here is you don't have what you desire because you don't desire God above and before God anything and everything else, you adulterous people. So James now issues a rebuke and a call for repentance. And by calling his readers adulteresses, he's he's saying that they are unfaithful to God. You see, this whole concept is based on the Old Testament idea of Yahweh as the husband of Israel and Israel as the bride of God. We find this, for instance, in Isaiah 54, 5, where it says, "'Your maker is your husband.'" The Lord of hosts is his name. And so throughout the Old Testament, you find that spiritual infidelity is described in terms of physical adultery. And that picture came into Christian thought when we realized that the church is the bride of Christ. 
So James is describing these believers as adulterous because they're wanting the benefits of a relationship with God, but they also want to have an affair with the world. And James continues, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So what is this friendship with the world? Well, as we've mentioned previously in our study, the world here translates a a Greek word, cosmos, which James, John, and Peter all use to describe the evil systems of this world, the systems that are controlled by Satan. And so to be friendly with the world is to adopt the world's values and desires. Friendship with the world involves seeking uh, pleasure at the expense of others or at the expense of disobedience to God. To be friendly with the world is to align oneself with the person's ideas and things that are hostile to God. In effect, it's giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Notice the word therefore. What he's saying is, I'm describing a consequence of the statement just made. A person who deliberately chooses to be a friend of the world, by that choice, becomes an enemy of God. See, for Christians, there's no way, we don't even have an option. We don't have the freedom to divide our love and loyalty between God and this world. It's one or the other. And we have to make a deliberate choice. And if we choose to make the world our priority, we make ourselves an enemy of God. You know, when we are true in our friendship with God, we're going to feel like aliens here in this world. You know, we're not going to quite fit in. You Christians understand what I'm saying? As Christians, we just don't quite fit in with the world. And uh, that makes sense when we realize that this world is not our home that we are just passing through, that while we are here, we are ambassadors of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that we are called and equipped to carry out his work and promote his interests, not our own. Verse 5, Or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? And so here he reminds them of what Scripture says. And, and, he, and what, we, what we say and what we, what we teach needs to be rooted and grounded in God's word. But, you know, the structure of this verse in the original language is a bit complicated. And I was reading through a number of scholars, and there's, there's probably over a half a dozen ways that this particular verse could be translated. And uh, they're all just minor variations of each other. But let me give you two of the candidates that I thought worthy of consideration, the best of the candidates, if you will. And, and the first of them could be rendered, God truly cares about the spirit, that he has placed in us. And the second is that God it truly cares about his spirit that is put within us. Now, in the first case, that God truly cares about the spirit he has placed in us, it reminds us of what, what Genesis 1 reveals, that God formed mankind out of the dust of the earth and breathed into us the breath or spirit of life. And although at death the body returns to the dust from which it was made, our spirit lives on through eternity in either heaven or hell. Scripture tells us that God is not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's why he provided a way of salvation in Christ Jesus. Another way of saying is God values every soul, or it could be said that God is jealous for every soul. 
And then the second candidate is that God truly cares about his spirit. And that would be a reference to the Holy Spirit who comes to live within every believer at the moment of salvation. And James is writing to Christians who, by definition, are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity. And as a person, God's Holy Spirit can be grieved by what we think, say, and do that's displeasing to God. Well, we'll have to leave it there and pick up in the book of James at this point tomorrow at this same time. I hope you can join us. You're listening to Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, featuring the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely, and I'm Mike Trout. Looking ahead to the weekend, if you're seeking for a church where the Word of God is taught and where you can serve, let me suggest you visit Church of the Highlands. They're in San Bruno. The website is highlands.us. And there are multiple service times, starting on Saturday night, going through Sunday morning, again on Saturday afternoon or evening, and then uh, Wednesday as well. All those details are on the website, highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Thank you for joining us today. Come back for the Friday edition of our broadcast, when we'll once again open to the book of James and study verse by verse. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.